Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that whatever is seen was made from things that are not visible. Then continuing into verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land that had been promised as a foreign land, living in tents, as, Isaac, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he perceived the power of procreation. Even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, from this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven, and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if y'all learned this about me yet. There, there are many, many truths about me. But... If y'all have not learned this about me yet, I'm, and I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, you will soon. I really like to eat. Um, yeah, I know. You're looking at me, you'd never know, would you? Um, you know, food is good. It, it's, it's good. I like that verse in Acts where God tells Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Eat. When Jesus fed the 5,000, Bible says they ate and they were satisfied. Come on. Bring on some dessert, you know. So one of the, one of the things that uh, has been interesting in, in, my, in my ministry along those lines is, you know, it, 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 having served all over the state, no matter where you're going, if you're traveling, come find me. I can tell you where to eat. I know good restaurants all over the state of Mississippi. I mean, I can tell you where there's some good food. So when you're traveling, come find me. I'll tell you where some good food at. And, I, and I'll just, sometimes I'll just happen to find myself in certain towns. About lunchtime, we, um, we went to preach in the Delta for homecoming earlier this, this, this summer. And uh, just so happened, we happened to find ourselves in Greenwood at noon. And just so ha- we just so happened to find ourselves at the Crystal Grill. I mean, don't know how these things happen. Did we have to drive through Chula to get there? Yes, we did. Was it worth it? Yes, it was. <laughs> so so I, I enjoy eating. And so um, whenever... There was a restaurant recently in another part of the state that I wanted to go eat at because I'd heard good things about it, and I wanted to try it out. And, man, you know, I was so ready to try this restaurant. I was so looking forward to it. I was excited. I, we drove there on purpose to get there. And, like, I had, I had built this restaurant up so high in my mind. Like, I had just had in mind this place was going to be amazing. And it was good. Like, it was, it, it was good. The food was fine. I'll go back there and eat again. It was perfectly wonderful. It was a great restaurant. But I had in my mind built it up to a place that no place on earth could meet. <laughs> 
My expectations of how good the food were going to be simply were not meetable. It was a great restaurant. I will go back there. But what I desired was something that just really couldn't have been met. Desire is an interesting thing, isn't it? We all, we all desire things. There's things in our life that we all want to experience. There's things in our life that we all desire to have. There's things that we just want to experience. There's things in life that make us happy. There's things in life that give us great joy. There are many, many things in our life that we desire. We are starting the back-to-school season now. Yeah, I told their early service. For some of y'all, um, you know, you've already done this. You've already, you, you are free from the joyful burden of waking up children tomorrow to get them to school. You've already done your time there. But all of us wake up each day to a new day, don't we? Maybe, maybe you're starting a new school year. Maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe you're starting a new something. But no matter where we find ourselves in life, tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a day set before us. Today is a day set before us with great hopes, great anticipations, great things that we can desire. So as we thought about in in worship and here in an intersection, thought about this back to school time. This season of newness, this season of new routines and new scheduling and all that, we began to think about, well, what do, we, what do we want to talk about in our worship? What do we want to talk about in our preaching? Where does the Scripture lead us to? And we found ourselves in Hebrews this season. And we began to look in the chapter, in the book of Hebrews, about the basics of faith. What are the basics? What are the things that matter? What are the things that count? Because see, sometimes, sometimes, at least in my life, sometimes the hardest thing to keep are the basics. Because I'm so distracted. I love, we sang it this morning, prone to wonder, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's so good in our life, in our faith. He keep going back over and over and over again to the basics, to what counts, to what matters. I long to hear this, love to hear the story. For those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. It's so good to hear the story, to hear the basics, to know what counts. Because we can get so distracted by things that pull us from what truly matters. I tell folks, I don't have ADD. I have ADA. Ooh, squirrel. (laughs) So it's so good to reset. So as we start this new school year, what are those basics? What are those basics? We see it this morning, I think, in Abraham. The first of these basics. Hebrews 11 tells the story of the saints of old in the Old Testament. We see Abraham. Abraham's a great story. I, I, lo- I, love, I love so much about Abraham's life. I, I, I love his story and what, what, what he does. It says that he had faith. And that faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Um, 
It's funny, Abraham, it says in the Bible that God said, and it says in the text this morning, it says, God said, I will go, go to the land that I will show you. God, here's the thing about Abraham, y'all. God didn't tell him where he was going. God didn't tell him the path. See, I like to know where I'm going. I'm going to plug the GPS in and go. I'm going to leave early for the meeting so I can get there beforehand to know where I'm going so I won't be late. I'm that guy. God tells Abraham, Go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't say, get on the interstate, go south 50 minutes, take a right, then a left, then you're there. He says, you will know it when I show it to you. And I don't like that. I, don't, I like the myth of my own control. I like the myth of my own sufficiency. It's like when you're flying. You know, you're flying, they say, buckle your seatbelt. I'm like, what's this going to do? You know, the plane fell 40,000 feet, but I had on my seatbelt. No. But yet we buckle it because we feel, it feel, it just feel good. Dude. Like, okay, you know what? I'm good. I got my seatbelt. I'm good. No. We like that myth of our own sufficiency because the future without our control can be scary, can it? We're, here's the thing, y'all. You can trust an unknown future to a known God. You can trust an uncertain future to a certain God. When you do not know the path by which you take, you do know the God that leads you there. You do not have to be afraid of the future, for greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. You do not have to be afraid of the future because all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You do not have to be afraid of the future because what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Yes, I want to be in charge. I want to be in control. I want to at least worry so I feel like I'm doing something. I joke, I know my worrying works because 95% of the stuff I worry about never happens. So my, my worrying must be a protective hedge against those things happening. Or maybe I just need to learn more faith and learn to trust. Trusting is hard. That's why it's faith. And that's why it's, we're saved by it. Because there comes a point where we've got to say, God, I can't. I can't do this. I cannot do this. You have to do it for me. And when we do that, when we place our faith in him, we find peace that we can't find anywhere else. Abraham went to a land that God showed him. Why did he do that? Scripture says this. He was desiring a better country. He was desiring something better. He was desiring a city not made by the hands of man, but desiring a city made by the hands of God. He desired something new, something better, something life-giving. And so here's my question as we start this new year off. This, this desire that Abraham had was placed in him by God's grace. The only reason why he desired it is because God's provenient grace had placed it on his heart. The reason why he desired it, because it was God calling it him to himself. He desired God. God because God was calling him. 
God called him from Ur to go to this new land. God called him to something new, something better, something life-giving, something holy, something awesome, something amazing. God called him to something better, and Abraham desired that. So in this new school year, in this new day, in this new life, what do you desire? Are you wanting to just do the same thing every day? Wake up, go to work, go to school, come home, go to bed, lather, rinse, repeat. Are you desire something new, something better, something from God, something amazing? This can be the most amazing day of your life. Today can be the most amazing day of your life because Jesus Christ is here in this place. And today, things can change for the rest of your life. This can be a turning point for you, for your family, for your community, for everything. Every day we're here is a day of new expectations and new hopes because God is not dead and life wins. Every day is a new day. Every school year is a new school year. Every moment is a new gift from God. Are you desiring something better? In this new school year, in this new day, are you desiring something life-giving? Or have we already resigned ourselves to the same old same old, same old. It doesn't have to be like that because God calls us forward. God calls us to new life. God calls us to something new and exciting each day. How will we respond to that calling? Whenever um, I left home, came to Jackson for college over to Clinton to Mississippi College, I kind of I church shopped. I kind of looked around different churches. because I, I grew up in a certain type of church, and I wanted to get different experiences. So I wanted to kind of see how different churches worshipped. And I, I found myself with some buddies of mine from a camp that I worked at at a church over off Raymond Road Extension. If you know where that's at in South Jackson, it's a Presbyterian church. I, that was my rebellious phase, Tim. I went Presbyterian. <laughs> you know, sorry, it's okay. It's God's will. <laughs> God's will. <laughs> You didn't see that one coming, did you? That was good. God did, because he's sovereign. <laughs> so, um. I love religious jokes. They're the best. I got a whole bunch of them. Uh, anyway, um, we were at this church, and it was the best sermon I ever heard preached in my life. I, I don't remember the preacher's name. I don't, but I remember the text. It was this text. And he said something that for over 20 years has stuck with me. He talked about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And did you hear the last verse we read this morning? Listen to what it says. This verse 16. It says, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the Old Testament. Look at the Old Testament saints. Look at all of them. Okay, seriously, guys. Like, you've, 
Abraham's awesome. He is. We all agree Abraham's awesome. He was the father of all this. He was the first faith and all that. Okay, Abraham left Ur. They were wandering, and um, they get to Egypt. And Abraham says to Sarah, he says, hey, you're pretty. Um, Here's the deal. They're going to probably kill me and take you as their wife. Why don't we tell them that you're my sister, and then they don't kill me? Now, they're still going to take you as their wife, but I get to live. Are you good with that? And she said, yes. Guys, do not try this at home. It will not go well for you, okay? Seriously, trust me. Don't try this. Okay, Abraham failed many times. Every Old Testament saint you can think of failed over and over and over again. Isaac was weak and ineffectual. Jacob was a scoundrel. Moses, he killed a guy. David, Bathsheba. Aaron, golden calf. Solomon, let's not go there. I mean, over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament, these saints failed. Let's go to the New Testament. Peter failed Paul failed. All these folks failed. All of them. They were not perfect. But look at what the scripture says. They desired a better country. They desired something better. And therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. How is God known in the Old Testament? He is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is known by them. He is known by them. It isn't just that he loves us. He's not ashamed of us. And he is proud to be known as our God when we desire a better country. He's the God of Andy, the God of Tim, the God of St. Matthews. He is not ashamed to be known as our God. He is not ashamed to be known as your God. He loves you. He is proud of you. He is for you. He is calling you. He is pulling you. He is pushing you. He is reaching to you. He is desiring of you. So it's not just our desire of him, but it's his desire of you. God desires you. He desires to be in relationship with you. He desires to know you. He desires to be in right relationship with you. He desires you. And he is not ashamed to be known as your God. One of my favorite Christian songs the last few years had opened up with this great line. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed. His grace is greater still than all of your wrong choices. You can come as you are. God is not ashamed to be known as your God. There's a better country out there, y'all. There's something better than the routine of our day-to-day lives. This year does not need to be like any year ever in human history. It can be new. It can be better. It can be vibrant all through God's grace given to you and for you. God desires this for us. How is our desire? 
He's not ashamed to be known as our God. May we live desiring that better country. May we live desiring his grace. Let us pray.